0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Good Day Podcast. My name is Jeff Baskin, and I am your host. Today, we are joined by Ellie Weinstein. Uh, Ellie, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing really hey, well. Doing Thanks, so much, well. Thanks me. so much for having
0: me. Absolutely. And uh, before we get started, please take the opportunity to introduce yourself, your specialty, <laughs> and where people can find you on social media and the web.
1: Yeah, you know, I am am out in Vegas, Vegas. and I specialize specialize in in family family, and really parenting, parenting, relationships relationships and anxiety. anxiety. Uh, I'm a Uh, social work clinical therapist, therapist, or LCSW, LCSW. and it is just a pleasure to be here to talk about some real things when it comes to anxiety and the way to handle it, deal with it, and give some uh, perspective on it.
0: Fantastic. And uh, before we get started with the topic of the day, we're going to be talking about men and their relationship to anxiety. Uh, We always start every podcast with the same question as far as what your personal experience with anxiety has been and how you've handled it.
1: Yeah, I probably had anxiety all my life, if I'm going to be honest. But uh, about three and a half years ago, uh, I had a massive panic attack after my daughter was born. And it really put perspective into some of the struggles that my clients have gone through and friends. Uh, it was such a terrifying experience of being on the floor, basically trying to pull my hair out, um, not able to calm my nervous system. And through that process, went back to therapy uh, as an adult, started taking anxiety medication and things of that nature have truly helped keep things in check. Um, and... uh Would love to get into that more, of course, but it is something that shifted my perspective on myself and the way I needed to take care of myself, which is one of the reasons why we moved out to the West Coast. Yeah. Are you originally from the East Coast? I'm originally from New York till I was 30
0: and now live out here. Yep. I am originally from the great state of New Jersey, so I know what it's all about as far as the hustle of New York City.
1: Great. New Jersey was great. Yes, exactly. The
0: great state of New Jersey. I, I will always represent for New Jersey. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah, it's it's funny that you, you mentioned the, the whole thing as far as having a panic attack when your daughter was born. I, I've dealt with anxiety the better part of my adult life, and it, it, it has been one of the biggest things that has stood in the way of me wanting to have children because it scares the shit out of me to think about having a panic attack in front of my child or not being able to take care of my child because I had anxiety and I just, and I had to choose between trying to overcome whatever I was afraid of
1: and, you know, doing what's right. And it it has definitely been a a big barrier for me. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. And and the reality is, uh, I don't know your relationship status and what your deal is, but hopefully in the ideal sense, there's another person to kind of pick up the slack because they're going to have their things and you're going to pick up the slack and you're going to have your things and they pick up the slack. And also sometimes you can't show up for your kid. And that's a reality for, for most parents even without clinical anxiety or any, any diagnosis or any, you know, mental health issues. But sometimes you just can't and that, that sucks and it's hard. Um, but it is, it is a true fear. And, uh, I had that on, on, on two fronts. I had that with my anxiety when I have a panic attack and I have a chronic illness so I was like, "That's it." You know, it was a big, a big conversation my wife and I had uh, about yeah. how to help each other and how to figure that out. So I, I love that you shared that. Yeah, and thank you. So let's let's get
0: into today's topic. And as I said before, we're going to be talking about men and anxiety. Um, in your experience, how do men typically express their anxiety, and how's that different from the way women express their anxiety?
1: Yeah. You know, I think there's a great conversation that happens often about the dif- distinction or the difference between men and women and how they deal with anxiety. And I think the reality is anxiety is anxiety um, through each individual. Um, I think that men have a tendency to be more isolated and aggressive due to their anxiety. I think those are the two sides of the coin of anxiety. Either they get very quiet, isolated and removed or they get very edgy and intense because they don't know how to Defensive. deal with exactly. don't have to deal with that. The, the uh, their system being overloaded. Um, but, but the hard part for me as a therapist who works with many different people is that it's very individualized. It's very specialized, right? So your anxiety, and my anxiety, even though I have to do with similar things, doesn't show up the same. It doesn't the, the inner voice isn't the same. You know, the critic isn't the same and that the way we run our lives or how we have viewed anxiety isn't the same. But I think for men, society and and culture has kind of put them down to even address their feelings or even handle their feelings in a healthy way, but I've been conditioned to kind of push it aside, deal with it later, put other people in front of themselves, be the man, so to speak, yeah. um, and kind of not deal with their stuff, which I think is the biggest issue that, that has to do with anxiety, which is hiding it and pushing it away.
0: Yeah. and. We'll get into that here right now versus later. The the, the term that you use just sparked something in my head. The term "be a man," and mm. you know, as far as that and mental health, and there's sometimes where you have anxiety and it stands in the way, and you have that pressure to be a man or not be a quote unquote pussy because you know you're you are supposed to be the man. You know, how does one handle that situation in a relationship or in friendships when your anxiety is preventing you from being that typical masculine man type of person. Cause I, from personal experience have literally been called a pussy by my girlfriend because I was having anxiety and wasn't able to do any, you know, do something that she wanted to do. And yeah, and so not current be, girlfriend, be, but ex girlfriend.
1: Yeah, good. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> just to be, to be frank, I specialize in relationships and anxiety. And I think that if you're a friend, if you have a friend or someone that it says they love you and cares about you, Says things to you that way, that person should not be in your life anymore. Because yeah. to be told, man up, suck it up, deal with it is nothing anyone deserves to hear. Because if the tables were turned and you said that to someone else, they probably wouldn't want to be around you either, no matter their gender. Uh, I'm not, I don't care if it's a man or a woman. No one wants to be around someone who tells someone to suck up their real feelings and just deal with it. So to me, the hardship is that that is something that has been so told often to people that they are feminine or less of a man or weak for having feelings. They need to get a life check and, and a reality check. Cause the true, the true really, the true reality is humans feel humans. That's men and women. That's anyone on this planet feels, even animals feel. So we can't tell a dog, stop being hungry, just deal with it, right? Or, uh, you know, anything of that nature that has feelings, it is a natural thing for us to feel. So So yeah, it's it's easy to
0: say that you need a life check, but, you know, in the moment, it's so incredibly hard to deal with. So what advice would you give somebody?
1: So it's so dismissive and so destructive. I think the biggest thing is, is that if you have someone tell you that, um, I would first cut them out of your life. Stop having someone around your life that is pushing you down and telling you not to feel human feelings. The second thing is we need to learn to ourselves to have self-compassion and love that we feel feelings because we're human and it doesn't mean anything about us. It is a feeling that is just something that we are experiencing, not something that is who we are because i can feel sadness and anxiety and anger and happiness and it doesn't define me as a person it defines my moment of ex- experience it defines my experience not who i am so what what would be some strategies to
0: to deal with this because obviously you grew up in new york i grew up in new jersey you know your friends your male friends especially the shit talk and and the amount of just hazing and ribbing that you got from friends and just the pressure that you feel to be one of the guys and be part of the group. Like, you know, obviously I know that when my friends put me down, it's, it's all love and they're dependable, but you know, when you have anxiety, it can, it can definitely cause doubts. So what are some of the strategies that you would feel to a, deal with your friend group and then also be, you know, to, to be able to deal with this on a, on a larger level, you know, cause just saying, Hey, cut people out of your life. It's easy to say that. Yeah. But what are some of the strategies as far as steps that people can take to get there?
1: So the first thing I would say is in, in reality, uh, I promise you that the people that are in your circle who are putting you down probably feel similar or have felt that some way cause they're not immune to feelings. So the the hard tip I would actually give is to share how it makes you feel. Oh boy, which I know is really difficult and very hard because uh, there, you there, might get, there are you might multiple get, words I can't say yeah.
0: on this podcast that are coming to my head yeah. that my boys would call me if I was like, "Hey, guys, they would. sit down, and talk to you about my feelings."
1: No, not talk. I don't say it like that. Say, "Hey, man, when you say that, that really hurts my feelings. I would really like it if you just stopped talking to me that way." And I know they're your boys and I know they're your people at this, at this age, you know, at this age, I think
0: I could do it. But 20 years ago when we were in our twenties, I I don't know how old you are. Let's be honest,
1: but I'm in my thirties and 20 years ago, uh, I probably wouldn't do that. But now in the world that we live in today for the men that are listening or the boys that might listen, that is a reality that actually exists where people do appreciate that. I just know
0: that, you know, I mean I was born in 79. I know that if I had this conversation in 1999 in my 20s with with my boys I, I would have been We made fun of let's, let's be honest,
1: Jeff. We wouldn't be talking because this conversation would never have existed because Yeah, that's true. Men didn't talk this way. Right? Yeah. That's the right here. This is the proof. Right here the fact that you have a podcast talking about your anxieties, sharing about your anxieties and me as a man as a therapist, opening up my anxieties, feeling comfortable enough to be on a show to talk about anxiety, is the progress. Is the progress yeah. of society letting us do that? That's the beauty that we're in today, is that that would never have happened in the 90s. Are you kidding? That's, re- of, of course not. And there still are circles, of course, that, that would yeah. do that, that would still give each other crap for talking about their feelings. I think the first step is, and I personally, as as a therapist, have seen more men in my practice, in the past year and or two since COVID than I've ever experienced in my work. And it just shows me that men are coming to terms that they have feelings and that they exist in the human world and need to learn to deal with them and accept them. And one of the biggest things is instead of thinking things in black and white of this is bad and this is good. We as a society, especially men have to understand that there is compassion and, and gray and balance that I have feelings and it doesn't make me something, but is something. And that's a lot of hard work. And there's no tip that I can give that just shifts that perspective. It is the hard work to be able to come to terms with who you are as a person and love and accept that no matter what the outside noise is, but come to terms with what your internal value is to yourself, which is very hard to sometimes do when it's so defined by the outside.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and that that would actually lead you know so if there isn't a clear tip or strategy obviously therapy is is something that should be very important to men so let's talk about that in regards to somebody a, a man that is apprehensive about going to therapy what would your yeah. advice be as far as you know how to get over some of that apprehension uh in, in regards to you know going out and seeking somebody to talk to.
1: So before we get to that, first of all, I would suggest looking on social media to men that are open about feelings and honest about their themselves. I'm a big fan of Lewis Howes, Jay Setty, um, Justin Baldoni. His book, Man Enough, is iconic in the way that he as a a muscular, good-looking actor talks about his downfalls and frustrations internally. And Lewis Howes, I think, is one of the top – Top men just being real about emotions and Jay Shetty himself. But to go back into, or myself, um, but to go back into the idea of therapy, one of the biggest things I say to men is just try one session. Just one. I'm not asking you to commit to, to be in therapy the rest of your life. If that ends up happening and that's for you, I'm very proud of you. But I think it takes courage to just try one. Because all it is, okay. is the perspective of having a buddy in your life that you can be real with, with no judgment. Because too often, like you've said from your experience of growing up in New Jersey, the great New Jersey, that there was crap given with judgment for just oh, being yeah. and feeling and being a human. The reality well, I mean- of therapy is no one's trying to hurt you. No one's trying to manipulate you. No one's trying to you know hypnotize you and make you do r- wacky things. It's just someone sitting across from you, another human, with no judgment, listening and validating, and helping you through being you. And that's so awesome.
0: The, to, to expand on that, when a you know man is picking a therapist or trying to find a therapist, do you find that they're better off going with a another male therapist, female therapist? Do you find that it doesn't matter? And then, a, is there a specific type of therapist? Obviously, you're an LCSW, but You know, is is there any sort of specific type of therapist you feel maybe best for men?
1: Love that question, Jeff. I think in reality, it's about fit. Some people, and you have to know yourself. If I feel more comfortable talking to a woman, then I go with a woman therapist. If I feel more comfortable talking to a man, I go with a man. If I don't care, the biggest thing is the vibe and energy of the therapist, If I click and connect and feel comfortable, it has to be comfortable. It doesn't matter about title. It doesn't matter of years of experience. Of course, you want someone who knows what they're doing, right? You don't want someone fresh out of grad school. But I will promise, I used to be fresh out of grad school, and I think I made people feel comfortable. It was about me. You're buying into the person. So do your due diligence. Interview them. Message a lot. Go on Psychology Today. Go on therapy sites, call, email, converse, and talk, and ask your questions to feel comfortable with someone. And once you feel comfortable with, with someone, the work will happen. But it has to be a relationship. It's a relationship, so you have to be comfortable with someone in your relationship. Regarding the licensures, I'm not a big fan of all the numbers, all the letters, and the alphabet soup that that uh, we we choose our therapist off of. LCSW, PhD, PsyD, Doctor, this. LMFT, LMHC, uh, it doesn't matter. We're all trained to help people. And I will say this, and this might be controversial. If you find a coach that you like, that you feel has your best interest in mind, that you feel there's change happening, good for you. You're doing the work. I don't think it matters about all the letters in the alphabet after someone's name to make the distinction. I think it matters, is it accessible, is it comfortable, and do I want to show up and be with this person long-term to get the help that I that I would like to see in myself? That's what matters. Yeah, I know for
0: me personally, I respond better with male therapists for some reason. I feel like female therapists always try to get out of doing the work, and I feel like male therapists have a tendency to be more disciplinarian with me as far as like pushing me to go past my comfort zone and my boundaries so that I can, you know, grow. And, you know, and, and that's also, as you said, you have to figure out what's best for you and who you're best going to respond to. Maybe you mm-hmm. do respond better with instruction and, and information from a female than a male, but that's also things that you should take into consideration when, when looking for a therapist. 100%. So let's talk about, men in relationships, especially potentially in minority communities where there is such an alpha male emphasis that's put on, you know, the men in the relationship, as far as how they can have that conversation with their partner, as far as, you know, the fact that they do have anxiety, or maybe they have certain phobias or fears, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how do they, you know, how, what's the best way to approach that, especially, I know I've been in relationships where I didn't really talk about it until we were already six months in a year in and then Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, you know, by the way, you know, this is something that I have to deal with. So what's your approach on that for relationships in general and having that conversation and then potentially approaching it, um, you know, from a perspective where, you know, the alpha male is, is such a prominent part of that, uh, culture.
1: Yeah, so if we are look at two cultures, we have the machismo kind of mentality the Latin, Latin community, and we have kind of like that that uh, alpha male in the black community, right? Yeah. Um, in the white community, we don't really have that as much as Italian, a as a culture. I would say. You're, you're Italian, Italian yeah. yes, but I'm yeah Italian, yes, right? So, and it really depends on that perspective, and and you know, and what culture you come from. I have nothing wrong with that being a culture in society, if it works for you, right? If you, if you, that, if you fit that mold, right? If you're like, I'm going to be the man, right? That means I make all the money and I protect the family and, rah, 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 and me, 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 and you know, big burly guy, you know, I, there's no problem with that. I think the problem is if that is the expectation for everyone, even if you don't fit into that, that's where it can hurt someone and their feelings to, I'm not good enough mentality because I don't fit the mold. So I I think it's about talking within your relationships about what is your expectation for me as your partner. If you expect me to be that, you know, that style and I don't fit that mold, we're not a good fit. And it's not that I'm talking about mental health issues and I'm not divulging, you know, really deep, dark secrets about myself. What do you expect from me as the man in this relationship? if that is out of the way and you get a clear explanation that i want someone softer or a woman says i want someone who's a you know a hard you know person then you're, and you're not that you shouldn't yeah. be in that relationship this is, has nothing to do with mental health yet right but later on right i i know someone who was dating someone who like the the guy had a panic attack in front of her and it it showed a true side of him that she didn't want around. She didn't want to be around someone who was so fearful of adventure, which she needed to have adventure in her life. It was about the adventure, not about the mental health. She had nothing wrong with anxiety itself, but it was what it was associated to that would have stopped her from living a life that she wanted to live. So you have to talk about expectations and needs of a relationship. And if I can't meet your needs and you can't meet my needs, then we should not be in a relationship. It's so it's it's so tough because I mean I'm I'm currently
0: single, but I've been in situations where you want to be with this person, but you're so terrified of revealing the fact that you have this issue. Like the last person that I dated, we were together for six months before I even really talked about it at all. And like the first few months, we were on. A, I'll never forget on a road trip from San Diego to Las Vegas stuck in traffic. It's 105 degrees out we're in the middle of nowhere and I am having a panic attack after panic attack and just trying to keep a straight face because I just didn't want to be vulnerable and expose myself to the person that I was dating. And that's, that's such a tough line to walk for people that are afraid of losing something that they want
1: because somebody else doesn't want to deal with your anxiety. And the reality is, Jeff. To have a real relationship, there needs to be vulnerability, and that comes with a lot of a lot of risk. Yeah. Right. Because if if I'm not able to be my comfortable comfortable self, you're not getting you're not getting me. You're getting a facade. You're getting a mask of me, and that's what you think you're getting, and that's what you're falling in love with, and that's what you're connecting to as a mask. So yeah, it comes with massive as, risk. As you're
0: aware. People with anxiety have a tendency to mold themselves into what the other, yep. what they think the other person wants versus who they actually exactly. are. So it's, it's and tough. In the, and
1: the reality is that imagine being with a person like that and you have to be, put that mask up for the rest of your life versus truly being someone that you are and having, finding someone who appreciates that. And then you get to be you without feeling bad about it. It's, it's the hardest part of relationships. It's literally what I work with with people on the daily in their couples and their relationships is learning to be themselves without fear of judgment because once they get accepted, how amazing that can be. It is the hardest part of relationships and anxiety hands so, down
0: with, with that being said as when do you feel is the right time to have that conversation in a new dating situation?
1: Love that question. I think the reality is, is that, um, it has to do with the comfort level you have with that person. So if I feel connected to this person and I see that is going somewhere that is per- purposeful and, and, you know, future focused, right? If, if it's a one night stand, who cares? Right. Yeah. If it's a, a fling and you just, you know, hanging out and, you know, having sex and having a good time, who cares? But if I keep dating this person and I see a, a potential future with them, I would want them to tell me who they are. So I get to know them and, and, and get to connect with them. This is an opportunity for me to share who I am, to feel that they can connect with me and I can feel connected with them. So, so it has to be it's, with, it's a, I would suggest earlier on than later so that it's not a "uh oh" moment, but a, I yeah. know now let's work with it
0: moment. Yeah. that. I mean, that that's something that I struggle with all the time in the dating world as far as like, one day, date, two dates is something, you know, cause I always feel like if somebody else had something to tell me, I'd want to know as early as possible so that I can make a decision as far as whether or not this yeah. is something that I, I want to spend my time with. Like I'm not 22 yeah. anymore. I don't date seven times a week and whatever else yeah. it's like, you know, when I go out with people and give up my time, I want it to know that, that we're on the same page. So It's definitely something I struggle with a lot. I was just within as,
1: the first Within the first two months, within the first, I, I wouldn't know about number of dates because you could date like seventeen times within that time frame if you wanted. But yeah. to me, within the first two months, when the relationship is starting and you are starting to decide, is this worth my investment? Because there are some people who on the first day just say it out: "Hey, I have this sickness. I have a kid. I've been divorced. I've been married three times. My mom died last week. You know, who knows? Everyone's got baggage. Everyone's got crap. Everyone." And we are no one's immune to that idea that someone has something that they're coming to that date with. Um, And and to me, the earlier you get it out, the more reality we get to live within. Because then then we don't have to be afraid of like all the the worry of, oh, my gosh, if I just say this now, it's going to end. So some people have a mentality on the first date, second date or third date. Just get it out there, because just like you would want someone to do that to you. Why are you not doing that for them?
0: Yeah, and that, and that's it's why your- I have a tendency to to be more open and honest with people at, at the jump because I also yeah. don't want to get attached to somebody and then be like, hey, I'm paying attention, okay, bye, and then and then you just get crushed over and over again.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I had a, a someone I know um, engaged, about to get married, and they had a real heart to heart meeting with the parents. And he and uh and she said something about that she had an eating disorder, a history of eating disorder and anxiety. And the parents said, either you I don't know the details of the conversation, I wasn't there, but basically yeah. said, you need to end this to the guy. And he did and broke this girl. Wow. Broke her. Um, I think it was ridiculous and inappropriate in many ways. I think he was accepting mm-hmm. of her and loved her for who she was and knew. That's what matters, not the parent's opinion. That's just me. Um, but at that stage in the game, that's too late. That's not they fair. Are, that's unfair to everyone. Down the that's road. cruel.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely been in a situation where I've been given ultimatums before as far as like I've had some issues in, in the past with flying and, you know, in relationships with a girlfriend who said, if you can't fly. This isn't going to work. And, you know, so it's just like it, it's tough to to hear that, especially Somebody that you're in a one-year relationship with, you've already done the "I love mm-hmm. you" and you live together, and it's like, well, if you can't yeah. do this, this isn't going to work for me. And you know, it's it's a tough situation to handle.
1: Hundred percent, it is.
0: Um, so let's switch gears back to um, you know, just talking about the the role of men and anxiety here. Uh, what are your thoughts on support groups, peer networks, as far as helping men manage their anxiety? Is it in addition to therapy, could it be potentially something in place of
1: therapy? Uh, you know how do you feel this fits in? I love that question. I think it has to you have to find the right support group. I've definitely checked out on Facebook and all these support groups for men, and to me I have found some of them to be extremely toxic and hurtful. I have found them to be, you know just venting and anger and no help. I also found the, I found some support groups and social media platforms that are said to be supportive, but in reality are really unhealthy in the alpha versus beta male, the winners and the losers. If you, you need to pay attention to be smart. So if you start seeing people talk about alphas and betas, who is winners and losers, that is not a supportive environment. That is a hierarchy of better and worse compared to men because men have struggles. They are now betas. You don't want to be in a support group like that. If you see support groups that are just, excuse my language, a bit shit talking and crapping on each other and just boasting about who's better, not a good support group, support groups that are tribes built on trust and love and respect. Like dad edge, right? As an awesome support groups. There are a lot of amazing fatherhood groups and men's groups that are loving and supportive, that is an unbelievable space to be as a man. And as a human, we need social settings. We need, we need community. We need tribes. So if we find a tribe, I think it is unbelievably helpful. Do I think that therapy is also really important? A thousand percent. But if you have to choose one and you are more comfortable with being on a men's retreat, you know, hanging out and camping, or go and doing something fun at some experience and you find that comfort and support and you would never step into a therapy office, but you feel you have a space to share, be seen, not be judged and be loved for who you are. That is amazing. And I wish you the best of luck and I'm so happy for you. But if it's not, and you choosing that over therapy because therapy's hard, I'm sorry. That's not a good enough reason. Yeah.
0: So, It's a question that came into my head before and I didn't ask it, so I'm going to ask it now as far as like, you know, you had talked about doing things that are hard and, you know, if people try to push you or push your boundaries or whatever else in your life that they shouldn't be in your life. So where as somebody who deals with anxiety and is afraid of certain situations. Mm -hmm. There are times where you need to be pushed, because if you don't, I will sit in my house for the rest of my life and not go out and enjoy life because there are certain things that you're too afraid of. So how do you juggle that, especially with a partner uh, or friend or partner or whatever, as far as like. When it's helpful, and then where's the point where it gets to be detrimental? You know, so what, Ooh, like, I mean, talking it. like a safe word here, or like, where is, <laughs> you know, because obviously with a partner, you know, for example, for me, what I would have loved in the situation I was in when I had issues with flying would have been to have a partner that would have been there for me and, you know, helped me get through it together. But at the same time, you have to be able to push, but not. Push too hard so that I fall off the cliff and backslide mm-hmm. into you know daily panic attacks again. So I know this is a gray area question, but where? No,
1: it's not. It's not. Where, it's a beautiful question.
0: Where's the line? Well, gray area in that there isn't a maybe not a clear answer, but where's where's the the approach to this from from a, a standpoint of friends, family, partner that is
1: trying to help somebody with anxiety? I love this. This is this is not a gray area. I have a very clear answer. What I mean by pushing is we don't want someone to be putting us down and hurting our feelings and being mean to us. That's what I mean. Making us feel terrible for having a human natural reaction. That's what I mean. So what is needed? What is the, what is the line you need someone? It's all how someone approaches you. If you had, we'll use your scenario for a second. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah, if if, If you had the woman in your life with the flying, and the way she approached it was not an ultimatum, but a supportive, let's figure out a way to make this work. It probably would have gone a little different than someone saying, yeah. either you choose flying or we're done. That's not supportive. That's not comforting. So to me, the two reason, the two ways to come at this, if someone's listening and has someone in their life who doesn't know how to, or you're looking for someone uh, to help you through your things or how to have a conversation about how you need to be supported, it's How does someone approach me when they talk to me about my feelings? And are they being supportive when I tell them how I feel? If I'm going to get judgment, if I'm going to get crap, if I'm going to get put down and hurt by someone, I'm not talking about someone helping you out the door. I'm not talking about someone holding your hand and being there for you through the struggle. I'm not talking about someone who's going to sit there and have you cry on their shoulder and give you love when you're not doing okay. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That's what we need. Someone to put us down, leave us. Uh, crush us because we have real reactions to things and real feelings, that's the line that should not be crossed. Everything so else is beautiful. It's more of a encouragement.
0: You can do this. You got this type of positive or, affirmation, or, positive
1: reinforcement. Not even just that. Let's say the thing with the flying. If you, if you needed someone to say, okay, what are you afraid of? Oh, it's the packing. It's the stress. It's the getting to the airport. Okay. How do we make those things easier for you? How about we make a packing list? You know, I grew up in a household that the travel was very intensified because of my mom just got really nervous about flying. So to me, I don't, I didn't like flying. My wife loves to travel. So I told her I really, I would get stressed before flying and everything was fine. It's not the flight that bothers me. It used to, cause I have a chronic illness. I have Crohn's, you know, bathroom stress was a part of it too. So how did I deal with that? Logically, I said, What do I need to do? Okay, I need to take a modium so I, won't, I don't go to the bathroom on the plane. Solve that problem. I know I'm not going to go to the bathroom on the plane. I, I don't have to be worried about that. Okay, what else was I worried about? Okay, I was worried about, oh, the stress of packing. My wife made a packing list. It alleviated my stress immediately because I had a guide and I took care of it within that week, right? It was someone who was supportive to say, I see that you're stressed, I see that you're overwhelmed. What can I do to alleviate and help you not? And if you was so out of your comfort zone and that you were having panic attacks or you were like spiraling, I need to be aware of as your partner to not push hard and to, and that's part of the learning process of a couple is to know where that boundary is and say, Hey, that was too much. You cross a line and someone taking that constructive criticism and learning for next time. That's what it's about. That give and take. And that's the beauty yeah. of it is that that I, has to be alleviated and find not just like, you got this dude. That doesn't help sometimes. Sometimes it's what practically can we do to help? That's also amazing too for someone.
0: Yeah. And I, I know with me, it's, it's, it's definitely difficult to find the line because there are definitely times where I just need to be kicked out kicked out, and off the cliff because mm-hmm. I have to learn that you know the, the catastrophizing okay. that I've done in my head isn't actually going to happen. And, and that has to know, be
1: communicated to your partner to know for you to know when that is needed for yourself. Or that has to start. What do I need? If I don't yeah. know what I need, how am I supposed to express that to others and, and let them know what I need?
0: Yeah, and and, and it, communicating that is always is always a challenge, and at least for me, and I'm sure for others. So it, it's definitely something yeah. that maybe you discuss that with your therapist before you have that conversation, and you practice it, outline it, mm-hmm. get it to the point where you're comfortable talking about it so that you can have that conversation with your partner.
1: hundred percent.
0: Um, so let's talk, uh, coping strategies, techniques that men can do to deal with anxiety in the moment. Uh, do you have any particular breathing exercises, mindfulness exercises, things that you like, uh, or that you recommend
1: for situations that you're having anxiety or panic attacks? Uh, the, fir- the, the, the one I would start with is you cannot die from anxiety. It feels like you're dying, but you cannot die. So the first thing you have to remind yourself is I'm not dying. I'm, and, and just this is very externalizing and logical thinking, right? You have to switch your brain to that. I'm not dying. This is a panic attack. Say oh. what it is, right? You have to say what it is and realize that you are going through a panic attack. Once you accept that you're going through a panic attack, then we have to calm ourselves down right cuz your body is in extreme hyper state of intensity so find comfort to me when it comes to men or anyone really for anxiety is you need to go to your comforts so for some people that is certain type of clothes for some people it's tea for some people it's watching a certain tv show for some people it's getting into a bathtub and cuddling up with their favorite stuffed animal or a blanket right find your comfort to relax yourself the second thing i would suggest is or the third thing really is find ways to get the energy out if relaxing doesn't help you how do i get this energy out sometimes it's dancing forcing yourself to play your favorite song and dance sometimes it's going to exercise sometimes it's taking a walk now walking doesn't solve everything i hate that walking is suggested for everything walking doesn't (laughs) solve everything Walking just makes you be present. There's nothing else you can do other than walk. So it makes you deal with your stuff and get energy out at the same time. Walking doesn't solve every mental health issue. But walking is something that can help. So get your energy out. I don't know what number I'm up to, but I'll keep going. The second thing is, the the other thing is to learn to stabilize yourself. And that is breathing. What happens with anxiety is that your heart rate goes up, and your breathing rate doubles to triples what it normally should be. You should be breathing about 10 to 20 times a minute. What you don't realize is that you start going, (laughs) what you are naturally doing is you are causing your internal system to think that there's danger when there's not. So you need to slow your breathing down. So the biggest suggestion I would give Is the square breathing, which is a classic breathing technique, is you breathe in four seconds, wait four seconds, breathe out four seconds, wait four seconds. The goal, and you can do it whatever number you want, but the goal of the breathing technique should be to slow your breathing down and calm your heart rate so that you are present and that that is not something that's triggering your cycle of danger, but that you are getting oxygen to your brain and that you are stabilizing yourself. And the last thing is compassion. Last thing is compassion.
0: It is not your fault
1: that you had a panic attack. It's not your fault that you have anxiety. Something triggered it and you can work on that later. But right now is not the time to blame yourself. You didn't do anything wrong because you had a panic attack. It happened. Not because of you. It happened. So I need to not beat myself up because that will just keep reiterating the process in my brain. It's my fault. I'm the problem. I'm terrible. I suck. And in reality, it's not you. It is something has happened to you. So if we start beating ourselves up, it makes it a lot harder to calm ourselves down because all we're doing is what the hell's wrong with me? I'm the worst. I suck. It makes my heart yeah. rate. It makes me keep ramping up. So those are the things I would start with.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely have that problem beating myself up or feeling like I'm weak because I had a panic attack. And it's, it's hard to, uh, to take yourself out of that and forgive your, you know, forgive yourself or accept the fact that this is something yeah. that just happens to you from time to time and you, you yep. have to deal with it. And I hate all these fucking online TikTok therapists that are like, just live, just lean into your anxiety. It's like, if it was that easy, we wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be watching you. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't need <laughs> therapy and, you know, so it's it, so to me, that's one of the most frustrating things about social media and mental health is that everybody presents this like pie in the sky. It's so easy, 30 seconds, and doesn't actually give you any sort of real, real way to handle your problem.
1: That's why, Jeff, I appreciate you saying that. I am, my style is no BS with a lot of compassion. I'm just very yeah. honest and real. I say it how it is anxiety sucks, it is painful, it hurts. What I think people mean when they say lean into anxiety, and this is a problem I have with TikTok and Instagram and social media therapists, therapists who are on social media is the jargon they use that is very rhetoric and routine that people use in therapy practices. I think it's a waste of time. I think it's not productive and I think it doesn't help people because no one knows what the hell that means. What I think people mean by lean into anxiety means you're experiencing it and you're not going to stop that experience by fighting it by you saying, don't have it, keep it together, bro. You're experiencing it, it sucks, right? It's like if you broke your leg, you wouldn't be like, just lean into it. No, you're gonna be screaming, your bone is sticking out of your freaking leg. But yeah. I'm experiencing it. It is, it, it is happening. By me yelling at myself that it's not happening doesn't stop the fact that my leg is broken. That's what I think I mean by lean into it, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and you know, to me, to tell somebody to just, lean, to just lean into it, quote unquote, oh, is no, like, no, no, t- no. To, in my opinion, like telling somebody to calm down, like, you know, just calm down, <laughs> you know, just lean in. Like, I get Not it. Not too bad, man. But at the just, same time, just... you know, when you're in the moment, it everything torture. goes out the window. Like, and that's torture. the whole thing as far as what I feel is the most important training for people with panic is almost like military training. You have to be prepared for war because when the moment happens, you have to have practiced your routine and gotten it down as far as this is what I'm going to do. If this happens mm-hmm. so that if it does happen, you don't, your brain doesn't go haywire and you're like, fuck, what do I do? You've gone through your drills. You know, these the breathing, breathing exercises you're going to do, or this is what you're going to, how you're going to handle it. To so just sit there and say, lean into it. Just, it just makes yeah. me angry.
1: And I, and I will say also, Jeff, that sometimes the, the techniques don't work all the time. So we also have to learn, that we have to sometimes find a safe place to experience it while it passes. Yeah. Which is the hardest part. Also, sometimes it doesn't work
0: and it doesn't mean mean. that you did
1: anything wrong that you have to find a safe place in your house, pull over in your car. If you're driving, pull over, don't drive with a freaking panic attack, (laughs) pull over, find a place, park in a parking lot and experience. And I don't mean experiencing like enjoy it, but do you, sometimes the panic attack has to move through your system. It's just your body responding in a hyper intense way and you can't stop it sometimes. Sometimes it's going to happen and it sucks. So sometimes yeah. you have to find a safe place and just let it pass and then deal with it yep. afterwards. And I know that sucks to hear, but it just is the reality I have pulled over yeah, before. Well, Not fun.
0: I've been there. Um, all right. So I have one, one last question as far as the, uh, Topic of men and anxiety. And then I have one final closing question. So how as a society can we work towards creating a more inclusive and understanding environment that encourages men to seek help for anxiety and other mental health issues?
1: Hmm. Jeff, this, this, this conversation, this part of this question makes me angry for a good reason. Very passionate. (laughs) Uh, I'm not angry at you. I'm very passionate. I think we just stop making men feel so bad for having natural human reactions of life. I think we have to stop making it a gender conversation of, well, men should feel this way and women should feel that way. Humans feel, period. So, if that's the case, we need to stop stigmatizing men for having emotions and expressing themselves like any human feels. And the more we do that and the more space we give men to just express themselves without crapping on them, judging them, making them feel terrible and less than and not enough, we need to start supporting and having an environment of love and compassion for people feeling feelings and having healthy, ridiculous thoughts because that is what humans experience are or is and will be forever. It's not going to stop just because a man is a man and a woman is a woman. That does not make the distinction. And I think if we stop doing that as society, as cultures, I think you doing these conversations, me posting about things and talking about my podcast and people doing the work, about spreading the gospel of truth, which is humans feel things. So let humans feel, I think is the progress that we have to continue to make. I don't think there's our pol- there's no policies that need to change. That's not for, you know, I don't think anything like, I think just the conversations at home, the conversations to your children, the conversations to your partners, the conversations at Thanksgiving and at Christmas need to be, or whatever holiday you celebrate, need to be loving, kind, and compassionate to anyone having feelings, and not just letting one gender rule the feeling world. Everyone feels. Everyone. And when we start doing that, I think we'll have a more less chaotic space, a more healing space in the world, and a more productive progressive space in the world. All right. Well, on you that note, I will...
0: You ask the question, Jeff.
1: You open the can. I'm just
0: saying. i ha- happy to. Um, and <laughs> on that note, we'll. and you may have already said it, but... We also close with the same thing every time. What's your best piece of advice? I would have prefaced it with to men about anxiety, but let's go with to to
1: people as far as what's your best piece of advice for people dealing with anxiety. So I have two to three, I have ADHD, so we'll see where my brain goes. Number one is bring bring them on. Please get help. No one deserves to suffer alone. Nobody and help could be your mom, your dad, Your brother, your sister, your cousin, your best friend, or a professional. Tell somebody, talk to somebody, you don't deserve to be on it alone. That's why people end up dying. Suicide rates are higher than they've ever been because no one feels anyone understands them. It's not true. They might not know your experience, but they've experienced something similar to their experience on their own terms. You're not alone in the experience of suffering. You're not the only person that's ever experienced anxiety. And you're not the only person who's been in a dark space. Please talk to anyone who is willing to listen. Now, don't walk around the street and start talking to everyone. That's weird. (laughs) I'm talking about people you trust, people that love you and are supposed to be there for you and care about you. That's one. Two, love yourself. Have more compassionate. Learn ways to have self-love and kindness to yourself for having human experience And the third thing is find that group, find the people, find the Instagram, find the social media that you feel yourself the most and dive headfirst into that. And don't stop till you find that. Because once you feel your full self and you finally experience what it means to be you, it is a eye-opening, unbelievable world that you can experience. That's what I got. All right. And that's what we got. And to close us out, uh, where can
0: everybody find you again? Social media, website, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I didn't say it earlier, but my uh, social media is Ellie Weinstein underscore LCSW. I have a podcast called The Dude Therapist. I am a dude who is a therapist. That's what the podcast is about mental health. It's not just for dudes. And my website is Ellie Please reach out. And if I can't help you, I will do my best to help someone to find someone who maybe can Um, But please don't be afraid to reach out, send a message, ask a question. Just don't be shy because I know I'm not. So I'll help the best way I can. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Jeff.